Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and success strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thank you for being with us. The segment is brought to you by BuyProxy.com. It's a new listing service, so if you're looking for properties or marketing properties, you probably want to have a thorough search, so check them out. It's B-I-P-R-O-X-I. Dot com. Well, today we're talking about the office market, and uh, it's certainly been interesting with the economy uh, changing kind of before our eyes, it seems. Uh, some people think we're near the end of the cycle, but things seem to still be going well. Well, let's see what's going on in the office market. Please welcome my guest. It's Barbara Denham, and she is senior economist with Reese, and she's joining us on the phone. Barbara, thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. Well, Barbara, you've, you, you guys are finishing up the for, first quarter results for the office market around the country. And uh, uh -huh. I think we're all curious you know, how the office market's really performing because we hear that companies are using less space and uh, people want flexibility and shorter leases. Uh, what do you see out there? Uh, yeah, we definitely see a lot of that. Uh, it has been a persistent trend throughout this expansion. Uh, we're just not seeing tremendous office leasing or office absorption growth like we did in previous expansions. So the vacancy rate fell a whopping 0.1% in the quarter to 16.6 from 16.7. And that's, think about this, nine years into this expansion and the vacancy rate has not fallen below 16% at all. Uh, it has stagnated there. Of course, there's some markets that are doing better than others, but overall, you know, this time in 2000, in the 2006 expansion, the vacancy rate was 12%, and in 2000, it was 9.5%. So, this is really a changed uh, office climate. Yeah, that's interesting. And what do you see rate-wise? It seems like uh, uh, we, we're headquartered in Atlanta. It seems like we've seen really good rate growth compared to our historic numbers. What do you see overall around the country? Uh, the office rent growth is um, not stellar either. It grows about 0.4%, 0.5% most quarters. That's what we saw in the first quarter, about an 0.5% growth. So it's growing at a slower rate than inflation. Uh, I think in 2015 and 2016, we saw some pretty healthy growth rates of about 5% year over year, uh, but it really slowed in 2017 and 2018 uh, to about 2.5%, uh, 3% year over year. Uh, right now, it's really trailing even lower than that. So we're seeing it rent growth. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an average. It's a national average, so it takes into account healthier markets like New York and the West Coast. And... Um, some of the unhealthy markets, mainly in the Midwest and the kind of North Atlantic suburban markets. Yeah. So where are some of the strong growth market cities uh, around the country where they're well, seeing good job growth? Um, most of the, I can tell you, like, in terms of like occupancy and, and rent growth combined, most of the growth we're seeing is in the West Coast, some in Texas and in Florida. Uh, Austin, in particular, is really strong. San Francisco, Las Vegas, Tacoma, um, even Raleigh-Durham, Orlando, Seattle, and, and C San Diego. Those are some of the better markets in Charleston, North Car uh, South Carolina. The weaker markets where it's uh, flat or even negative occupancy and rent growth are markets like Knoxville, Wichita, Fairfield County, Connecticut, Milwaukee, Hartford, New Orleans, Long Island. You know, smaller, non, you know, n none of the big markets are hurting. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, what about the jobs report? Seems like we've been getting good news. Uh, what do you see out there, and how might that impact the office sector performance? Um, well, job growth is healthy. 
certainly, uh, it's it's not it's not as healthy as it was in the boom years in the past. But I I would argue even that a two percent growth rate year over year is is, is really healthy, and uh, many of the markets are growing at about that pace. Certainly, Atlanta is. Um, but there's the total job growth, and then there's the office employment growth. And the office employment growth is not as strong as the total growth, uh, but some markets are doing better than other. The ones that have a, a big tech component to them, again, like Austin, San Francisco, uh, uh, Seattle, certainly, and San Diego, uh, and San Jose, all have strong office employment growth. But, again, the Midwest and some of the northwest, northeast areas and South Atlantic areas aren't seeing quite the same office employment growth, and yet some of them are seeing strong tourism growth or tour, uh, healthy um, health care or transportation and warehouse growth. So overall, of the 82 primary metros that we are tracking, every single metro shows positive year-over-year employment growth, except for Lexington, Kentucky, which was uh, flat, but when we look at just the office component, we see about nine or ten metros that show an office employment decline year over year. But of course, it's, it's a small decline, but it's it's still a noteworthy decline. Yeah, and it seems like there's not been a lot of new supply. What do you guys see for new supply, and then and therefore, what do you expect moving forward for performance throughout 2019? Uh, yes, that's a very good point. The good part about this economy, and it's it's again striking and confounding is that we have not seen the development that we've seen in the past. So even though occupancy growth has not been that stellar, supply growth has not been very high either. So it's a healthy balance, except we're not seeing any drop in the overall vacancy rate. That said, we're probably going to add more inventory in 2019 than we have in any year uh, since uh, 2000. Um, there's definitely a pickup in supply, but it's not major. So uh, maybe a 50 million uh, new inventory we show coming online this year, up from about 42 million square feet last year. And that's really concentrated in a handful of the bigger cities, including, uh, you know, like San Jose and San Francisco, certainly New York. New York is seeing a lot of office construction uh, both in our Hudson Yards, our brand-new neighborhood, and then in Brooklyn. Uh, but you're seeing a lot on the West Coast. Yeah, and New York's a strong market, isn't it? Yeah, and, and, and I should say Dallas, Austin, and De- mm-hmm. um, Texas are, are doing pretty well, too. A lot of construction there. Yeah, and you guys track uh, the performance of a lot of the sectors uh, around the country and then also uh, cap rates. So if you look back at the office market, you know, to kind of gauge what investors think about the office market, what do you see for a trend line if you look at the cap rates throughout last year? And uh, wh- What have they been doing? What are they showing? Um, cap rates are okay in the office market. Mm-hmm. Certainly they aren't what they were um, by historic standards. So they're in the like uh, the overall averages in the 6.6 to 7 percent range. So it's lower than it was like in 2010, 2011, but it's not quite as low as it was in 26, 2006, 2007 when it was like in the low six percent. Uh, what we like to look at is the spread between the uh, cap rate and the 10-year Treasury rate, and that has stabilized uh, most years. Except recently, the 10-year has increased slightly more than the cap rate has uh, slightly declined. So the the margin on office cap rates is actually getting squeezed. So that spread has narrowed just a little bit. It hasn't narrowed quite 
to the extent that the apartment market has uh, narrowed. That that squeeze there is very tight. Um, so I would say the office cap rates uh, have fallen a bit, but uh, you know they had risen in 2016, 2017. So it's not a it's not as uh, stellar as it had been, and certainly the spread is not nearly as tight as it was, say, in 2006, 2007, when the office market was uh, much stronger. The spread between the 10-year Treasury rate and the office cap rate was a lot narrower. Barbara, when you look at the overall economy and what's going on, we have an election year next year. You know, we've got good job growth. And you look at all the economic factors. What do you think we should expect for the office marker market moving forward, both in, in performance and, and in maybe cap rates? What do you think could happen? Uh, I think we should expect uh, more of the same. I mean, this is a very long expansion. But the good thing is, because we have not grown at a super robust rate, we have kind of grown at a balanced, healthier rate. And because it's been lower, and there hasn't been a lot of herd mentality and overdevelopment, overinvestment, or overspeculation, I think it's a sustainable rate of growth. So our outlook is positive. Slightly, slight deceleration going forward over the next two years, um, three years even, but uh, still positive growth. And if that's the case, and I'm, you know, unless we have some kind of what we call an exogenous shock, like a war, some, some real crazy uh, event that we cannot foresee, we really should grow at this rate, and it would by far be the longest expansion uh, in, a, in, in, in history. Right now, the longest expansion in terms of job growth is uh, in the 60s. We saw 108 months of job growth, and already we're up to 102. So I think, um, I think this, this expansion will definitely go down as the longest, if not the, the strongest definitely the longest. Yeah, yeah, that's good news. Uh, I like a nice, steady, safe uh, growth. And, and how much of that, Barbara, is because of uh, rising construction cost? Is, is that part of what's making uh, developers kind of temper their, their development flow? Uh, not for the office market. I think overall there's not a huge demand for office space. I mean, with the vacancy rates in most markets above 15%, it's hard to you know, get get developers and lenders uh, interested in building office space, and most of the new office construction is built to suit. So there's very little spec office to, uh, construction out there. I think the construction cost is a real thing, and it certainly will affect uh, office lending going forward, although a lot of the uh, construction uh, we expect has already started or is already planned. It is affecting the apartment market a lot more so, though, because the, we have a housing uh, affordability issue, and a lot of markets, uh, the, 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 the high rents can't get that much higher, uh, and yet construction costs are so high that builders are going to have a hard time building uh, if they can't make a return. Uh, so I think that the, the construction cost issue is not necessarily an issue in the office market, but certainly in other parts of the economy. Okay. Well, Barbara, what would you leave our audience with respect to the office sector moving forward? Any opportunities or maybe things to uh, be careful about? Uh, I think the opportunity is probably in the kind of transportation-oriented oriented, uh, orient development. So, um, you know, I think there is a demand for uh, jobs and um, uh, office space near major transportation hubs. We're starting to see that a lot in, say, suburban Virginia. 
uh, not coincidentally, that's where Amazon's going to build uh, one of its headquarters. So I would say uh, if you're an investor, you might look at that kind of a component because I think, by and large, people really don't want to drive to work. They'd rather take public transportation. And uh, I think there's uh, going to be more and more demand for that going forward. Yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of us are tired of spending so much time in our, our vehicles. <laughs> well, Barbara, great information. Thank you for sure. joining us. My pleasure. All right. And if you'd like more information, uh, check them out at Reese. That's R-E-I-S dot com. And stay with us. We'll have more on the U.S. office market. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Would you like to be the top producing commercial broker in your office? Check out Michael Bull's video training. Since you're a show listener, you receive 10% off your first purchase. At checkout, use discount code CREshow. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. The segment is brought to you by BOMI. They are the industry standard for education for property and facility management. Check them out at BOMI.org. And speaking of facilities and properties, we're talking about office properties today. Please welcome my next guest is Jim Picata. He's vice president of Highwoods and he's also division head of the Atlanta region. Jim, uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Michael. Well, Jim, you guys uh, know a little bit about the office market, don't you? How, how big, how many properties and, and how many states are you guys now? Well, we're, uh, we have eight divisions uh, mm-hmm. in primarily the southeastern cities, most of the big southeastern cities, including Atlanta. And uh, uh, so we're, we're, our footprint is primarily Sunbelt and mm-hmm. southeast. Yeah. And how many buildings or square footage approximately do you guys have control? Uh, we have about 30 million square feet yeah. total. Um, yeah. In Atlanta, we have about uh, six and a half million square feet yeah. and roughly 25 buildings. Yeah. And there's been a lot of talk about changes in office use and uh, you know people using less square footage and people working from home and co-working and shared space. And I think there's a, the audience is, is curious from, from your standpoint of kind of what you're seeing in, in the market now. I mean, you do a lot of work in Atlanta, and of course, you've had a, a great market here. When you look at Atlanta and the market overall, what are you seeing for tenant traffic and kind of the size of your tenants and demand? Well, I think uh, you're right. There are a lot of trends. Um, some of it uh, is hard to figure out, mm-hmm. candidly. But the, the market's healthy um, in all of our markets. Um, we're seeing net positive absorption, um, good activity, um, you know, the the generally seeing good uh, rent growth, cash rent growth. The ending uh, rate is increased an average of, you know, five, six percent um, for the new leases. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a healthy market. Um, it's, uh, there, you know, there, there are all sorts of trends. You know, co-working uh, is, is one of them. Um, it's it's uh, expanding and it's evolving. And it's uh, a little bit you know, hard for us to fully predict where co-working is going to be, you know, two years, three years, five years from now. But I think it's going to continue to grow. Yeah. Well, some uh, lenders and investors have 
been a little concern about the potential credit or, or a risk for these large tenants that are doing co-working, thinking, well, we haven't had a, a, a recession with these guys being prominent in these buildings. So when you guys kind of look at that risk, you know, how do you gauge it? What do you think about that? You know, we're, we're uh, long-term mm-hmm. owners. So when we buy any office building, we plan to own it indefinitely. So we aren't really thinking about short-term uh, ups and downs in value. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Uh, co-working in general um, can somewhat devalue a building. Um, I think there's, that's simply because it's still somewhat un, not well understood. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can have a negative effect on, you know, your more traditional tenants like mm-hmm. law firms, maybe an old, old line sort of blue blood law firm doesn't want to be in a co-working building. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they're dressed conservatively, going up the elevator with guys in, you know, shorts and T-shirts. And flip-flops. Yeah. Right. And, and so that, it, sometimes you have to be cognizant of the mix always. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and we haven't done a lot of co-working, but the little bit that we have done, uh, we've been very happy with it. And, yeah. and uh, it, it has uh, served to enhance, um, in generally speaking, it's it served to enhance uh, the tenant mix. And, mm-hmm. and, and honestly, we've gotten some nice uh, sort of startups that started in these co-working uh, units and you know came to us and needed 5,000 or 10,000 square feet. Nice, so, so they already good, know the building. Know the building, like it, yeah. like us. Yeah, that's good. So um, how has it been for the management and the operations of the building? Has it caused any issues with density or parking or, or anything like that? Um, for us, not yet, because we haven't done a lot and we just inked a, a floor in one of our Buckhead buildings um, and it's a, you know, it's a 23-story building, so uh, it's a small percentage mm-hmm. of the total, and, and the impact is not really significant. But some co-working uh, users gobble up parking spaces, yeah. and, and, and we have competed very favorably against some Class A office buildings that have done maybe a little too much co-working. Mm-hmm. And, and so the existing tenants or the building is gaining a reputation for not having a good parking situation that yeah. works to our benefits. So you, do, yeah. you have to be careful. Yeah, I want to ask you about uh, construction costs, the impact there. And I think of rising construction costs and how much uh, they've increased recently. One thing I think of is, well, new supply. There's got to be an impact there if the construction costs are rising. And of course, land costs have, have risen a good bit because of, I guess, all the multifamily right. development, right? right. So uh, when you look at new co- construction costs rising, we got tenant build out and that that issue and that yeah. cost. We'll talk about that. But but first of all, what do you think it does for future values of office properties with uh, construction costs rising so much? Yeah, construction costs continue to rise mm-hmm. at, at you know six ten percent annually, mm-hmm. um, rising ahead of you know generally all other forms of inflation. Um, you know we 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 uh, are generally in urban sort of uh, locations where we're building integrated parking, which gets to be a lot more expensive. It's mm-hmm. cast in place, it's under the building, a good portion of it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's you know the most expensive type of construction, but you know, you're north of $500 a foot in, mm-hmm. in these big Sunbelt cities. Um, and uh, that uh, has constrained the supply. Mm-hmm. Of course, land cost, like you mentioned, is, is high, mm-hmm. uh, primarily because of the multifamily uh, demand for, that, for those same sites. Mm-hmm. So there are fewer sites, but you know, this, the new supply is still, I think, very muted in most of our markets. Yeah. And so what, what's that do? Well, 
the new the newer buildings require generally uh, a significantly higher rate to support that cost yeah. than the existing supply. And as vacancy decreases, what happens? Supply and demand rates go up. So yeah. it's 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 a you know it's we're developers. Um, we hate these these high costs. It's, it's slowing us down yeah. with with our development track, but. Um, but you know, it's good for the rest of our portfolio. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, that your existing uh, office properties around the country are probably going up in value because yeah. the replacement cost just keeps going up. Yeah, replacement cost is, is still higher than, yeah. than uh, you know, what we've got in our buildings significantly. Yeah, yeah. well, if, if you look at Atlanta as a sample market, we, we didn't have any new construction for a while because we couldn't get the rents that justified the price right. for foot, foot to build them, right? That's, that's exactly right. Yeah, and now we've seen that change a little bit here in Atlanta. Yeah, the, 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 the market is adapting, and, and mm -hmm. If you are a user and you want brand new building in a great location, mm. um, with a with a maybe a more efficient floor plan, so you can shrink your footprint a little bit, um, you don't mind paying 50 bucks or even north of 50 bucks yeah. a square foot. Yeah, and you know tenants today are really concerned with uh, recruiting, retention, productivity, and using their office location as a business tool, right? As to to be more profitable as a business. How much of the tenant traffic do you see today that really understands the power that their space can have for recruiting, retention, productivity, company profits, and look a little bit less at the rental rate and look at it, hey, maybe I'll offset the, the rental rate with increased production, or do you still have a lot of tenants like beating on that rental rate? Oh, I think the, 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 the majority mm -hmm. are really concerned about recruiting mm -hmm. and retention. Mm -hmm. We have a, uh, an economy that's on fire, and the labor market is tight. Uh, we hear it ninety uh, percent of the time. It's one of the primary concerns: yeah. ability to recruit. And they're, so they're looking for uh, space that they can that will help them recruit. Yeah. You know, amenities. Um, you know, modern uh, build out. Um, you know, it's it's a it's it's a big hot button. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's that's true. And when I see. You know, the, a tenant sometimes concentrating too much on the on the rent. You know, it's like, look, w w think about the cost of turnover yeah. of employee. Right. Uh, think Huge. about yeah. I mean, that that can be a lot greater. Yeah, and and you know, the trend seems to be you know, people aren't staying. Young people, millennials, don't seem mm -hmm. to stay in the same place mm -hmm. very long, mm -hmm. and it doesn't seem to hurt their career. You know, mm -hmm. when you you and I were younger, mm -hmm. you needed to stay somewhere yeah. for a while. Yeah. Uh, today, you know. These younger folks are bouncing around a year here, two years there, three years. Look at their resumes. Yeah. Um, so it's a real problem. Yeah. And, and and employers have to do everything possible to keep keep their talent. Yeah. And some of that may be because you know there's been a lot of changes in office space. I mean, if you had me working at a great company like Highwoods, but I'm sitting at a bench with a bunch of people <laughs> coughing and sneezing and headsets, right, I don't know right. how they got to want to be there long. Right. Right. And speaking of that, let me ask you about that because it seems like there was a really big push for all this open space and, and compacting people into small amounts of space. And as you mentioned, people are really concerned about recruiting and retention yeah. today. What are you seeing as your tenant traffic around the country in the southeast? Are you, where are you seeing the trend there now? Yeah, well, in, in my own uh, sort of this is anecdotal mm -hmm. because, you know, just what I see. And, and I see a fair amount. But uh, I think the pendulum um, has swung, has begun to swing back a little bit from the pure open. Yeah. Uh, to to a little bit more private uh, space and 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 some some uh, open space is 
pretty much there in every new floor plan. Yeah. But um, the, the, I think in some cases, I've actually heard this from a number of our uh, customers, tenants, that um, you know they, they made a mistake. Um, they went way too open. open. And you've got guys who, you know, 20 years of experience who had got used to their private office and now they're out in a cube and there's people all around them. One guy gets sick, everybody else gets sick, and they just, they, they don't like it. Yeah. So they're, 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 you know, it's, it's, uh, that's, a, that's a trend that I think is, you know, maybe swinging back in the other direction just a little bit, just yeah. from what I see. Yeah. And what about trends for square footage per employee? What are you guys seeing there from your desk? You know, uh, I mean, we, we rarely uh, see more than four and a half or five per thousand. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so, you know, uh, 180 square feet, uh, somewhere in that, in that range. Um, it's, it's unusual to see a, a more dense floor plan. Number one, can't accommodate the parking. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, most of the uh, sort of urban areas where we are, you know, parking uh, is two, two and a half per thousand. Mm -hmm. So it's already a stretch to get to four. Yeah. Four, not four or, or more per, per thousand square feet. Yeah. We talked about briefly about construction costs, and the other side of rising construction costs is the negative part on operations, right? It's the tenant improvement dollars to, to build out the interiors. Yeah. What are you seeing for costs there? How are you mitigating it? Yeah. How, how are you managing that? Well, we're seeing that cost go up yeah. significantly. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, so we're seeing, you know, when we break down and we're analyzing and negotiating a lease, we're looking at how many how many TI dollars per lease year? So we really look at that, yeah. that metric. And uh, that number seems to be going up, has been going up for a couple of years, but rates are going up even more to yeah. cover that cost. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's making, it's, it's really passing through to the, to the tenant's rate. Yeah. If you will, leave us with a tip for a tenant and a tip with a, for a landlord. What would you tell tenants today looking at space as a, as a tip? Uh, be creative, get a good architect, uh, you know, be efficient. Um, it, but, uh, you know, I think uh, transparency from, from both mm -hmm. sides, the, the landlord, the tenant, mm -hmm. uh, the, the more communication you can have, the better. Because, uh, I mean, it really helps us to understand what a tenant's really looking for. We can be creative mm -hmm. um, in lease structure. Um, you know, sometimes uh, people try to hold too many cards mm -hmm. and uh, it doesn't help the negotiation process. Yeah. How about a uh, tip for a landlord today? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I can't give away all my trades. <laughs> Come on now. But, but no, seriously. There's no one listening. <laughs> seriously, uh, I, I think, uh, uh, you know, go after, you know, we're getting maybe late in the cycle. Mm -hmm. The economy seems super strong to me, mm -hmm. but it's not going to go on forever. Yeah. So pay attention to credit. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, I wouldn't extend massive TI dollars to a startup at yeah. this stage in the, yeah. in the in the cycle. How about uh, just taking care of your existing t tenants and customers? Yeah, that, right? that's a given. And yeah. uh, you know, I fortunately work for Highwoods. Um, mm -hmm. We're a company that's extremely focused on customer service. Yeah. We don't even call our tenants tenants; we call them customers. Yeah. And and so that's really just part of our culture. I kind of take it for granted. Our property managers really, yeah. really do uh, take care of our, our folks. Well, I'm a, I'm a tenant Highwoods here and I, I like to be called guest. Come on. I'm <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll call you a guest. Yeah. Or your security calls me, sir. And I like that. Yeah, I like it makes that. me feel old. But. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> right. Well, Jim, thanks for joining us. Great information. Appreciate yeah. you being on the show. Thanks. I appreciate it, Michael. All right. And thanks for joining us and stay with us. We'll have more on the U S office market. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial.
Commercial Real Estate Show. Have you seen BuyProxy.com? Brokers list properties, buyers and tenants search properties all at no cost. They also have a suite of marketing services. Check them out at BuyProxy.com. That's spelled B-I-P-R-O-X-I.com. Are you involved in the multifamily industry? Check out RedIQ.com. You can easily and effectively turn operating data into actionable intelligence. Request a demo or try it for free at RedIQ.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. Well, this segment is brought to you by my company, Bull Realty, for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Give me a call or check us out at bullrealty.com. Well, today we're talking about the office market, the office use world. And one of the things that I think is very important for office building owners and occupiers and those who of us who help them are cell phone coverage, cell phone coverage in the buildings. Look, how do you feel if you don't know where your cell phone is and you get in your car or something, right? You're like, all right, I'm freaking out, where's my phone? Well, think about how many people are using phones. And one of the things that when you go into buildings and specifically office buildings, sometimes you can lose connections when you're in the elevator or in the, spa uh, in the space itself. Well, we have found a solution for this huge problem. Please welcome my guest. It's J.D. Jeske. He's director of real estate with Airwaves, and he's here in Studio One. J.D., thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So Airwaves, like Airwaves, W-A-V-E-S, right? Uh, W-A-V-Z. V-Z, yep. okay. Yep. All right, all right. I, I got to learn how to spell Airwaves. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there yeah, you go. Right. Well, good. Well, as I mentioned, uh, you know, when I represent tenants and we represent office tenants in Atlanta, get, help them get the right space for their business, right? One of the things I do is I take take my phone and I'm checking it, uh, the bars and things on my phones. When I enter the parking lot, when I go in the building, elevators, and I did that at our building when we moved in, and I had seemingly good reception on my bars, but but then sometimes people are in the building and actually in the space. And they're not getting good reception, so so what's going on there? Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a common problem. Uh, and simply put, Airwaves provides the solution to mm -hmm. to cell phone coverage in your office building. These things have quickly become the go-to form of communicating and doing business in our daily and personal lives, and and we're using them now more than ever inside office buildings. So eighty percent of cell phone traffic is taking place inside buildings, which if you take a second to kind of take a step back, was not the intent of these phones. You know, phones started with the bag phone and the car phone, and they were meant for outdoor mobile use. Um, in society, we've actually kind of gotten away from that. There's the no hands law. There's the, you know, don't pick up your phone while you're driving law. So we're almost even encouraged not to be doing that. So our, our infrastructure, our digital infrastructure of how we use phones has changed from when they were invented to, to now. And so having proper cell phone use inside the office building is more important than it's ever been in our society and our culture and the way we do business. And what is it? Is it the steel, the brick, the glass? Is that what's breaking up the, the yeah, causing it's, the problem? Yeah, it's all of that, actually, um, and fundamentally. So Airwaves, uh, you know, our solution, cell phone service just doesn't travel well through office buildings. Uh, lead buildings are specifically poor because of the low E-glass. Office build-outs have a play on that. But also we live in this what we call the BYOD generation, bring your own device to work. 
Uh, so we are no longer picking up the desk phone and making a call, and we're actually seeing tenant build-outs and, and even co-working spaces. You're putting in these gorgeous, beautiful um, build-outs, there's not a desk phone in sight. So it's the demand of who is around you, you know, what's the capacity issue on the macro, which is the outdoor tower, and how is it interacting inside of your building. All of these things um, impact the communication with your device, and the only way to solve that is through a system like ours that we provide, which is to bring the antenna and the source closer to the user and inside of the building. Yeah, and the time of day matters, right? Because like I mentioned, I uh, checked my phone, I've got good bars, but then we're on a phone call and we start you know, losing them on the cell service. Uh, so it matters what's going on around you? It does, yeah, yeah. Where your building sits specifically, how the, the people working in and around that building, peak hours, lunch hours, things like that. And what's interesting is that the onus has really shifted to the building owner. Uh, the carriers, Verizon, you know, AT&T and T-Mobile and, and potentially Sprint there with the merger, um, they don't have the balance sheet to solve this for every building across the United States to coming in and putting this in. The, their issue is, and as we get closer to 5G, is they're out with the macro coverage outdoors solving those. That's where their budget and manpower and everything goes in. That's why they enjoy working with us and then the partnership with building owners is because we go in and we're providing the infrastructure inside the building that allows tenants and, and ultimately the customers to have that superior connection and actually use these things how they were meant to be done. So the carriers themselves aren't really solving the problem in this because of budget for them? Yeah, they just can't do it. Yeah. I mean, think yeah. about the, the number of office buildings across the U.S. So, so they're happy to solve a big public venue, maybe a hotel or ballpark here and there, but they cannot go to every run of the mill in every market and solve this and, and offer a free system. So it has to be on the onus of the building owner providing that service to the tenants because as we talk about the office space of the future and, and what is technology doing and how are we, you know, how are we forecasting not just today and what's working right now, but the next 10 years and through the 2020s of office buildings, the way we are adapting to technology, whether that's through apps or a little more control, um, that is evolving and how a building owner needs to approach this as a utility and the fourth utility is really the importance of what's going on. Right, and you think about the internet of things and how every device seems to be connected to the internet so we can monitor it, that's, yeah. that's only going, going to continue. And like, like you mentioned, we could go in a building as a tenant or tenant rep at three o'clock on a, on a Friday, we're showing that doing a tour and we've got good bars. Uh, and maybe we check our phone and it's actually working well, right? Mm -hmm. But then we could be there at lunchtime and maybe a lot more people came to the, to the uh, food court and all of a sudden we've got a problem. Yep, or, and maybe you have Verizon and the tenant you're helping is a, mm -hmm. is a you know, enterprise client of AT&T. So yeah. everyone, that, everyone who's working for them has an AT&T phone. So just because it works for one doesn't mean it works for all. So when you do a solution for a building, it's not um, based on AT&T or Verizon, it's general? We do a neutral system, which okay. means that every carrier could come into that system and it's, and it's all based on one single infrastructure. So we run a fiber backbone which is gonna be prepared and future ready for 5G when it gets here. And, and a quick background on that, I know that's a buzzword and a lot of people love that, but that's just the next generation. Mm -hmm. So 1G allowed us to talk you know, to each other, 2G allowed us to send messages, 3G allowed us to get on the internet, 4G made it all faster, and 5G is gonna blow it out of the water. That's where you're really gonna see the internet of things and IoT really take place. And if you're talking about smart cities and autonomous vehicles, 5G is, is the mechanism that's driving all of that. And to take advantage of 5G as we become accustomed to it when it's here, uh, we're gonna expect the same speeds and the same, you know, the same latency and all of that inside our office building because just like when we went from three to four, 
like, oh, well, I need 4G here, and I need 4G here. It's the level of expectation of, of uh, power behind the phone that we're going to get used to. So 5G is going to be faster, but it's not going to penetrate the buildings as well? Yeah, it's a different, not mm -hmm. to get too technical, but mm -hmm. it's a different wavelength. Mm -hmm. um, so 5G, is, you know, long, for, for our camera, long, strong rolling wave. 5G is more of a millimeter wave, much more rapid. Mm -hmm. So it just, it, it's going to require more infrastructure, physical infrastructure to move the waves around, um, which is fine. It's just, that's where the construction is going to happen. Yeah, and I think if you're managing a, an office building or any type of building and you're not paying attention to this, you could be losing tenants uh, that move out or they don't move in because they can't get good reception. You're thinking, and there's a lot of talk today about you know, attracting millennials uh, and retention and recruiting for, for all businesses. And you know, it's not just millennials that want to use our phones. You know, everybody wants to use it. So you really got to think about this as what that's doing to your bottom line as a, as a business operator and also as a landlord. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the office space of the future. And, yeah. and really, you have to take the high quality aspect and, and holistic approach to your building. You can't do the band-aid patches of solving for this tenant here or this carrier there. You have to take a moment to pause with all the technology and say, what is the best for this building? And hopefully that is increased rent on the back end. And then, you know, if you do trade hands with that building and sell it, you're offering a higher quality product. I had a tenant the other day, I told him the building was full service that I was showing the tenant and going to tour. And the tenant said, okay, so that includes 5G internet, right? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, right, yeah, I guess that is considered a utility now. Yeah, right? yeah, it's a utility. And, and they want to know, and really, technology allows flexibility. Technology is giving us the ability where your tenant can build out any beautiful technology-advanced space that they have mm -hmm. because you're running that fiber backbone and everything is communicating you know, ubiquitously across mm -hmm. your floor plate. So it's knowing that that exists that allows tenants, you can do whatever you want. And that's what we've really seen some cool tenants do. Some of them are in the brokerage world with CBRE and Cushman building out some beautiful spaces. Um, and then the co-working groups, you know, and, and most of them are hoteling and they're not using a desk phone and they're really putting the expectation on the future is our cell phones and what's in our hand. Yeah, yeah, you gotta have it. And there's a lot of talk today about the, the growth of, of co-working, mm -hmm. right? And these companies coming in. So if you're a tenant in a building or you're managing a building and you have a big co-working tenant maybe coming and take a floor, how might that impact this situation? Huge impact. Yeah, huge impact. So if you if you were above or below that floor or anywhere, you know, you're the building next door, you've just brought in another 200, 300 people and devices, again, with no desk phones that are going to be on their, you know, their iPads and their phones all day long. It's impacting, it's a capacity issue. Um, yeah. Having an in-building wireless solution is the key to being able to handle that. Yeah, because you know those tenants are using their phones. Right. I mean, that's it's the, the design of it. generation, that's exactly right. Right. Well, uh, it's interesting. And one of the things that everybody's concerned about in commercial real estate uh, is, is no different, or maybe even more so, is the cost. Mm -hmm. All right, so what would be a sample cost? Let's say I'm in an office, uh, a 60,000 square foot office, and we have a top floor here of, of a building, and and, and kind of cool space, what would it cost us, for example, to, to have a great solution that would host every carrier? Yeah, so we're, anytime we touch these, it's a neutral host system. So mm -hmm. we can, you know, that's kind of a fundamental part of Airwave's solution. Um, mm -hmm. But you're looking at a per square foot cost basis. Mm -hmm. So for Atlanta, it's different market by market, but Atlanta, you're looking at 10 to 15 cents a square foot for a full building, and that's paid back monthly. Um, as an operating cost because it is a utility. So yeah. no capital uh, expense by building owners to kind of get their building future ready. I won't say future proof, but future ready for the next generation and the next steps. And do you have some landlords that maybe offer it as an option 
uh, or they could uh, monetize it themselves, sort of? Yeah, I'll say I'll say the way our structure is looked at, and what I really enjoy about it, it's it's kind of a three-win tier, you know. And the first is building owners. You know, they get the win because they can continue to do real estate deals and focus on the real estate of their business. They don't have to worry about technology. Cell phones are working. Tenants aren't complaining. Now I can focus on what I'm good at, and Airways can focus on what we're good at. And then the others is the carriers. Again, they don't have the budget to go into these buildings, but they're certainly happy to offload you know, a big pull from their macro outdoor network. So they enjoy working with us because that's just more satisfied customers for them inside an office building. Again, no complaints. And then ultimately, it's the tenants. It's the people like you and I that are, that are winning and enjoying their cell phones because they're not complaining and they can pick up this device anywhere in the building and know that it's just going to work. And that's the most important thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's what matters. We all want our cell phones to work. And if right. you think uh, you, you have tenants or tenant reps that are showing your, touring your buildings and they're not checking that, well, they are checking that. Mm-hmm. And if you've got existing tenants that are having problems, watch out. You may have some t- uh, turnover from it. J.D., thanks for joining us, sir. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I, uh, I enjoyed it. Always good to talk about technology and the future of uh, our working space. All right, well, thank you. And let us know what you think. Uh, do you ever have any issues with cell phone coverage in the buildings where you work? Uh, Let us know what you think. Thank you for sharing the show, and thanks for connecting with us on our social media sites. You can find them all at commercialrealestateshow.com. Thanks for listening. Till next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit BullRealty.com. Commercial Agent Success Strategies, incredible training for commercial agents. Visit CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Bomi International, for facilities and property management education, visit Bomi.org. BuyProxy.com, your global commercial real estate listing service. Visit BuyProxy.com. Red IQ turning multifamily data into actionable intelligence. Visit RedIQ.com.